Welcome to our worship from Seal Church, led by me, Canon Anne Labar. The hymn which ends the service is sung by the choristers of St Martin in the Fields. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, whose only Son has opened for us a new and living way into your presence, give us pure hearts and steadfast wills to worship you in spirit and in truth. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The first reading comes from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 35, beginning at the fourth verse. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, Be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. Today's Gospel reading comes from Mark chapter 7, beginning at verse 24. Jesus set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. Yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, of Syrophoenician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For saying that you may go, the demon has left your daughter. So she went home found the child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre, and went by way of Sidon towards the Sea of Galilee, in the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man, who had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him aside in private, away from the crowd, and put his fingers into his ears and he spat and touched his tongue. Then, looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephthatha, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered them to tell no one, but the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. 
In the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. We live in a noisy world. We're surrounded by the chatter of many voices. We've probably all heard and spoken many words already today, but I wonder how many words we haven't heard because we weren't paying attention or we didn't think the speaker was worth listening to. And I wonder how many words we didn't say. Sometimes that can be a good thing, of course. Some things are better left unsaid. But sometimes we don't say things that need saying. Challenging words, affirming words, words of love which people need to hear. Hearing and speaking are complicated things. They're easy to get wrong. Today's Gospel reading has hearing and speaking at its heart. The two stories it tells us might not seem to have much to do with each other. They happen in quite separate places geographically, but they belong together because they're both about hearing and speaking. In the first story, Jesus finds himself in the region of Tyre. Now that's a bit odd if you know your ancient geography. Tyre is in what's now southern Lebanon. It's a seaport on the shore of the Mediterranean. It was in the ancient territory of Phoenicia, well outside the land of Israel, and it was the birthplace of the infamous Queen Jezebel, whose name is still a byword for wickedness, even among people who know nothing of her story. Tyre was a multicultural, multi-faith melting pot, packed with people from every part of the known world, passing through on the trade routes that crisscrossed the area. Like many seaports, it had a bad reputation. All those sailors enjoying their longed-for shore leave, wine, women and song. In other words, it was the kind of place a respectable Jewish man would usually have tried to avoid. But here is Jesus. Why? This isn't a holiday, not in a place like this. At the beginning of his ministry, he'd gone out into the wilderness to confront his demons, to be tempted by Satan. And now he seems to be deliberately going out into another wild place, well outside his comfort zone, far from home, looking for a challenge. The trouble is, of course, that if you look for challenge, you'll probably find it. And however well you think you've prepared, the essence of a challenge is that it pushes you beyond your limits. Whatever Jesus was expecting when he went to Tyre, he doesn't seem to have been expecting what he found. A troubled and troublesome Gentile woman whose daughter is ill and who's desperate for help. She throws herself at his feet. She's gone past the point where she cares what anyone else thinks of her. If Jesus can help, she's quite prepared to cast her dignity to the wind and do whatever it takes to get it. There are several puzzling things about her which would have been red flags to people hearing this story for the first time. For a start, she's a Gentile, a Syrophoenician. Unsurprising, since she lives in Syrophoenicia. But what's a Jewish man doing, talking to her? Secondly, she's a woman, and apparently unaccompanied, in a culture where respectable women were expected to be under the guardianship of a man, a husband, a father, a brother or an uncle. Where is her child's father? 
Why isn't it he who's coming to ask for help? Maybe he's dead, or maybe he was one of those sailors with a girl in every port, and she happened to be the girl in Tyre. Maybe he sailed across the horizon long ago, leaving her disgraced and alone. Whatever her story, she seems to have caught Jesus on the back foot. He has rapidly to reassess the scope of his ministry. It troubles biblical scholars and many others that Jesus tries to send her away, refusing to help her at first, even likening her to a dog. She has to teach him something that he doesn't know, that God is calling him to the world and not just to Israel. It's problematic if we think that perfection means that you know everything and never need to learn or grow. But someone who knew it all from the start wouldn't be truly human. People sometimes try to excuse Jesus, softening his words, or saying that he didn't really mean them to be as they sound. But I don't buy that either. Both Matthew and Mark tell this story. They could easily have left it out, or smoothed over its edges if they were worried about the impression it gave, but they didn't. It matters so much to them that we hear about this occasion when a wild, Gentile woman seems to teach Jesus a lesson, that they're prepared to take the risk of showing him in a bad light. To understand why, it may help to remember that the early church, by and for whom the Gospels were written, was riven with conflicts between those of Jewish and Gentile origin. They knew that following Jesus meant welcoming everyone, but like all of us, they sometimes struggled to accept those who are different from themselves. Even Jesus had to learn to listen to voices that made him feel uncomfortable, this story seems to say, and he sometimes found it tough and challenging. But if he was prepared to keep struggling with himself and his own feelings, then so should we. And it does seem as if he's learned his lesson by the time this woman leaves him, having got what she came for, her daughter's healing, because he then takes a long loop around, going even further north via Sidon, the next port up the coast, and then down to the area on the far side of the Sea of Galilee. It was known as the Decapolis, the area of the Ten Towns, that's what Decapolis means. It was founded by Alexander the Great, and it was mainly Greek and Roman in culture and religion. In other words, it was more foreign territory. And it, another person whose voice was going unheard. The Syrophoenician woman had to fight to be listened to, even by Jesus. This man in the Decapolis is physically unable to speak, and he's deaf as well. I wonder what that had meant for him. I wonder what it was like for him growing up. Those who have no voice, or whose voices aren't heeded, are very vulnerable to abuse and exploitation. They can't tell anyone what's happening, and they may find they aren't believed if they try to. People talk about them rather than to them, not thinking to ask what they feel or think. This week, there's been another report from the Independent Inquiry into Child Sexual Abuse, telling the same story as the string of other reports it's produced. A story of victims and survivors of abuse being silenced by those who abused them 
and also by those who chose to protect the institutions they were part of. Churches, schools, children's homes. People who refused to hear them, knowing that their voices would be inconvenient, upsetting, challenging, requiring them to make changes they didn't want to make. I'm prepared to bet that this man who was healed by Jesus knew a thing or two about ill-treatment and had endured things or seen things which he'd never been able to speak about. It goes with the territory for the voiceless. When he was healed by Jesus, the first thing we're told that he does is to speak plainly. And I don't think that's just a reference to the sound he makes, but also to the things he said. I often wonder what it was that he said. What were those words that he first uttered? Perhaps there were words of love and gratitude for those who'd supported and cared for him. Words of praise and thanksgiving to God. But maybe there were also some home truths that others may not have wanted to hear. Plain speaking which disturbed them. As with all the stories of the Bible, these two encounters invite us to step inside them. To reflect on where we find ourselves in these stories to think about who we sympathise with, how the stories might have looked from the perspectives of each of those involved. Perhaps they remind us of times when we've felt unheard and voiceless. Perhaps they make us ask ourselves uneasily who we might not be listening to today, whose voices we might be missing. Hopefully they re reassure us, though, that it's OK to find this difficult, this business of listening, to admit when we've got it wrong, to learn and to grow, just as Jesus did. Because it's only when we do that that we can enable everyone to speak and to be heard with the voices God's given them. And so to hear the voice of God speaking through them, with healing and with blessing for us all. Amen. And so as we bring our prayers to God, we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Thank you.